Isaiah 57. And I trust the Lord would use tonight to encourage us, again, as we're trying to preach some messages to kind of gear our hearts and get ourselves ready for revival. And uh, so we're going to look at Isaiah 57 tonight as a starting point. But I want you to keep your Bible uh, right there in front of you because there's going to be uh, several verses that we're going to look at tonight. So we will not stay in one place tonight. Uh, it'll be a, a message that will take us various places throughout the Scripture. And so I trust that you'll keep your Bible there open in front of you. And uh, I wanted to give you a thought this evening. And again, by way of preparation for revival, by way of getting ourselves ready... And I know this is uh, uh, quickly approaching us now. Services will start on Sunday of next week, so we're a week away now. And uh, just really wanting the Lord to use it in a great way. And so tonight I wanted to give you some characteristics that are, that are present in a revived heart. Some characteristics that are present in a revived heart. Or we could say it this way, some characteristics that would be present in a revived church. In a revived church. We want our hearts to be revived individually. We want our families to be revived. But consider it really church-wide. Uh, some characteristics that would be present in a revived heart, in a revived family, in a revived church. And so I hope these will encourage you. But before we get to those thoughts, before we get to those characteristics, I wanted to take you to a verse here in Isaiah chapter 57. And I want this to point to revival here tonight. And notice, uh, as we're, again, as we're preparing to have this, these characteristics of a revived heart, notice what the Bible says here in Isaiah chapter 57. And look down, if you would, at verse number 15. Isn't it great that God, uh, throughout His Word, gives us formulas for revival? He says, hey, if you will do these things, then, then I give you the promise that revival will come. We talked about it a little bit this morning in 2 Chronicles chapter number 7. The fact that God has given us these conditions that we need to meet. But if we're willing to do those as God's people, He gives us that promise for revival. So really there are formulas that are seen all throughout the Bible uh, that we can use uh, as, as prayers for revival, as uh, uh, again as in preparation for revival to get our hearts ready. And this is one of them. Because notice what the Bible says in, in Isaiah chapter 57 and down at verse number 15. God gives a promise for revival. And he says this, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. So God is speaking here. God is the one that's going to give this promise. Notice he said, whose name is holy. His name is holy. Now we think about the holiness of God. We think of that character trait of God in light of the fact that He is perfect in every way. God is perfect in every way. He is holy. We serve a holy God, don't we? And uh, you think about the things that are associated with the Lord that would use that word holy. We, we, have a, we have a holy Bible that we're holding in our hands. Perfect in every way. We are indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. And so there are things that even... Uh, uh, associated with God or uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit of God that used that, 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 that word holy as, as we characterize our God. Notice what it says. I dwell in the high and holy place with Him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Now notice this. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Remember, we've been talking the last uh, several Sundays here about revival. We've tried to even define that word revival. 
The word revive or the word revived or the word reviving that is seen throughout the Bible. And really, I I don't know if you remember this, last Sunday morning, we used another word that goes along with that that we see in the Bible, and it's the word quicken. The idea of being made alive or to have spiritual life. Perhaps uh, we've, uh, we've, we've grown spiritually cold. Perhaps as we talked about this morning in the message, we're not thirsting for the Lord quite like maybe we used to. Or maybe we could say there's some times we could go back in our Christian walk or since we've been saved, since we've known the Lord as our Savior, and we say our, our heart was softer towards the things of the Lord. We had more spiritual life. Things were uh, a little different than they are right now. And maybe perhaps just to be revived or just to be given that spiritual life. And then another definition we gave you last Sunday morning about revival was simply the fact of really a Christian getting back to normal. Meaning that we're doing the things that we would normally do as a Christian. That's, that's what spiritual life's all about. We're doing what Christians would normally do. So a normal way for a Christian to live. Well, God says, I'm desiring to revive the spirit. Notice he says, of the humble. And revive the heart of the contrite one. So what is the promise that he gives? He promises to revive the individual who is humble and who is contrite before him. So again, as we're preparing, as we're trying to uh, get ourselves uh, to, to have ourselves with, with a revived heart, ready for a revival, ready for the evangelist to come, ready to hear the preaching of the Word of God. Are we humble? Do we have a contrite heart? Have we come before the Lord and said, as the psalmist says, Search me, O God. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Get my heart prepared. Get my heart ready for revival. Because God promises He will revive the individual who is humble and who comes before him with a contrite heart. So what are then some characteristics? If we come before the Lord in humility, and we come before the Lord with a contrite heart, what would then be some characteristics that would be present in that revived heart? I want to present to you a couple characteristics this evening in the time that we have together. Number one, uh, the first characteristic that is present in a revived heart or certainly we desire to be present in a revived church, is this. That we would exalt Christ. That we would exalt Christ to lift Christ up and magnify Him and exalt Him more than anything else. More than self. Which, by the way, that takes humility, doesn't it? We humble ourselves and we're willing to exalt Christ before anything else. Look with me, if you would, at the passage of Scripture that's in the book of Isaiah towards the beginning of this book. And it's in Isaiah chapter number 6, and it's the time in which Isaiah was called as a prophet. And you'll notice in this commission or this calling of Isaiah, there's some special verses that are written in Isaiah chapter number 6. And we want to notice these. We want to notice... Uh, The exalting of Jesus Christ, more than anything else, He is to be magnified. He is to be exalted. And can I say this about revival? That's exactly what revival does. It exalts Jesus Christ. When we have a revived heart, we're exalting Jesus Christ. When we have a, a revived church, we're exalting Jesus Christ. That's what revival does. So notice what happens in this 
vision that Isaiah sees here in Isaiah chapter number 6. It says in verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Notice the next few words here. High and lifted up. Jesus was high and lifted up. Jesus was exalted. It says, And His train filled the temple. Verse 2, Above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy. Now, pause there just for a minute because in Isaiah chapter 57 and verse number 15, we already saw God referred to as holy, didn't we? The Lord was described as being the holy one. Well, here again, someone cries out the character trait of our God is mentioned. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Now notice this, the whole earth is full of His glory. Jesus Christ is exalted. When we are preparing for revival, we're preparing our hearts, getting our hearts ready, one of the characteristics that will be present in a revived heart is that we will exalt Jesus Christ. Revival exalts Christ. Why does revival exalt Christ? Because when revival takes place, souls are being saved. Which, by the way, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on the message, so we'll come back to that in just a moment. But when revival takes place, souls are being saved. Christians are being referred to uh, the right fellowship with the Lord. Maybe there's been something that's gotten in the way of proper fellowship with the Lord. Restoration takes place when, revive, when, when revival is coming to hearts. And then Christians are maturing. There, uh, there, 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 there's conviction that takes place. We realize there's some things that stand between us and the Lord. And God revives our heart and, 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 and gets us to a place where we're prepared and ready for God to speak to us and do great and mighty things and mature us to allow us to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's consider some things. And I told you we were going to be in various places here tonight. So let's consider some things. I want you to notice what exalting Christ involves. What is, what is, what is involved in exalting Jesus Christ? Would you take the time to look with me at a few verses? Let's go to the New Testament book of Mark. Mark chapter number 12 and look with me, if you would, at verse number 30. So Mark chapter 12 and verse number 30. And let's notice what the Bible says here. And as we're reading this verse, would you consider with me that exalting Christ involves what we're going to find in this verse tonight. Mark chapter 12 and verse number 30. The Bible says this. It says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. What does exalting Christ involve? Exalting Christ involves love for the Lord. We're exalting Him because we love Him, right? Just like you would desire in an extra special way to be a blessing to anyone on earth here that you love. Somebody come along like Miss Nancy gave that testimony, and certainly we're being serious with this. Miss Nancy say, hey, you know, there's a, 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 you know, something that she shares with her sister, and her sister comes along to be a blessing. Because we love one another, right? And as we show our love for the Lord, we're exalting our Savior, aren't we? And he says we're to love Him with our entire being, right? 
Are you right now, as we're preparing our heart, we're asking ourselves questions, we're trying to evaluate where we're at with the Lord. Are you right now loving the Lord with all of your being the way that you should? Or is there something that is standing between you and your love for the Savior? So is love there? A characteristic that is present in a revived heart is exalting the Lord, and, we, and, and exalting the Lord involves love for Him. Look with me, number two, if you would, Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 4, we're going to notice something else that exalting Christ involves. Colossians chapter 3, and look with me, if you would, once you've found Colossians chapter 3, if you would look down at verse number 4. Now, I told you, we'll be turning to quite a few verses, so hopefully you can have your Bible ready there with you. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 4, and the Bible says this, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Now Christ, when we are exalting the Lord, Christ becomes our life, doesn't He? It is all about Him, isn't it? It is all about Him. Our conversations ought to be about Him. Uh, the, the, uh, as, we're, as we're thinking about getting things removed out of our life that shouldn't be there because we want, to, we want Christ to be pleased with our life. It is all about Jesus. So we're walking with Him moment by moment, day by day, and walking with Jesus and making Christ what our life is all about exalts Jesus Christ. The characteristic that should be present in a revived heart, is exalting Christ. It involves loving Him. It involves making Him our life. It's all about Him as we walk with Him day by day. But then, if you would look at another uh, thing that is involved with exalting Christ, look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 24, uh, 25. Excuse me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 25. For some, this is going to be a very familiar verse. If it's not familiar to you, this would be a good one to memorize. A lot of verses, obviously, that I would say that about, but this would be a good one to memorize. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, we have a wonderful privilege of getting to assemble together. You say, well, when does that take place? When we're at church, right? We're assembling together with one another. And it says, not forsaking. Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Let's not let things stand in the way or hinder the opportunities that God gives us when the doors of God's house are open to be assembled together with believers. And then he goes on to say this, and so much the more, he says, as ye see the day approaching. So we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another, which by the way, when we are assembled with one another, we're exhorting one another, aren't we? We're encouraging one another. I promise you this. I, I can make this statement without any hesitation. When you are here, it encourages my heart. I know it encourages my wife's heart when you're here. So it encourages us as the pastor of the church, or the pastor's wife of the church. But isn't it good to know though that our are, assemble, are assembling together with believers, we can have the opportunity to encourage one another while we're here. To have the opportunity to find out ways that we can pray for one another better. 
ways that we can encourage one another in a greater way. So let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves. And then he goes on to say, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now listen, I have said this many, many, many times as we are approaching revival, but I hope that you will clear your schedule so that you could be here for every single service where we're going to assemble together for this revival. I hope that you will not neglect the house of the Lord. I hope that when we're having these services that you will be here. Here's one of the things that we would say is involved in exalting Christ. We exalt the Lord when we worship Him together. Now certainly we can have times where we worship the Lord on our own or in our family times together also, and that's wonderful. Those are important. But boy, there's something special about being able to have the opportunity to worship Christ together as well. As we hear the preaching of the Word of God, now that's what we desire in our church, don't we? That we would exalt the Lord. Now how are we going to exalt the Lord? Through the time of worship that we have. We desire to bring honor and glory to Him. So what is involved in exalting the Lord? We said love and then making Christ everything in our life, walking with Him on a daily basis, keeping close to Him, and then the times that we have to worship Him. That's what exalts the Lord. One of the characteristics that ought to be present in a revived heart, number one is exalting Christ. But then number two, now I don't want you to look at these as being so similar that you dismiss it without really considering the thought here. Number one, exalting Christ, but number two, a value for Christ as well. Number one, exalting Him, lifting Him up, but number two, Christ is to be valued. Now can I say this? We show what we value in our lives by what becomes priority. It, 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 many, many, many times, as a matter of fact, it doesn't take us long to find out what people value by just what their priorities are. We can see the priorities of individuals and it can help us to understand what we truly value. Let's value the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me, if you would, at 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2, we talked about exalting Christ and now we're talking about a putting a value on Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, and look with me if you would at verse number 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 4, we're going to notice two verses here in 1 Peter that speak to the value of Christ in the revived heart. Look at verse number 4 in 1 Peter chapter number 2, it says this, To whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men. Now notice the end of this verse, of course referring to Jesus here. It says, chosen by God and precious. Now let's pause there for a moment to make sure that we understand what the end of this verse is talking about. It's referring to Jesus here. And it says that Jesus has been chosen by God and Jesus is precious in the sight of God. Oh, consider that with me tonight, if you would. Jesus has been chosen by God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus was God's Son that left heaven and came down here to earth for the purpose of dying for us. God, before the foundation of the world, knew that Jesus would die to pay the price, to pay the penalty of our sin. 
chosen to finish the work that God had called him to do. And then the Bible says that he is precious in the sight of God. Jesus is precious in the sight of God. But then would go down to verse number 7. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 7, and notice what it says. 1 Peter chapter 2, and look down, if you would, at verse number 7. It says this, Unto you, before, uh, excuse me, unto you therefore which believe. All right, now notice the next three words. He is what, church? Precious, isn't he? He is precious, right? So Jesus has been chosen by God and he is precious in the sight of God. But then the Bible says that Jesus is precious to those that believe. Is, is, is Christ of great value in your life? Is he precious to you? Is he a priority in your life? We, 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 again, we can quickly identify what we value by what is a priority. Is it a priority to spend time with the Lord? Is it a priority to be in His house? It is a priority to witness for Him. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But are these things that are priorities in your life? If they are, the Bible says as a, re, as a characteristic that ought to be present in a revived heart, God has become precious to us. He is of great value to us. Can I say this as God's people? We ought to make His passion our passion. We value Christ enough to say, God, Christ, what you are passionate about is what I'm passionate about. We ought to make His mission our mission. God, whatever your mission is, that's the mission that I want to accomplish for your honor and glory because I put value on you. So let's learn, as we talked about this morning. Remember we talked about a thirsty soul this morning and then a seeking soul, and then a satisfied soul. Let's learn to seek after Christ. And then because Christ loves souls so much, let's learn to seek after souls. So souls can come to know this Christ that we value. Let's personally seek after souls. Let's personally seek the Lord. Let's do it on a regular basis. Remember we talked about that this morning, it being a constant thing that we seek the Lord. Now, Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. We're not going to take the time to turn there. I think it's probably a very familiar verse to you. The Bible says that Jesus was come to seek and to save that which was lost. We've used that as one of our monthly verses. You probably have that one memorized from the time that we've quoted it. The Lord's come so that he could seek and to save that which was lost. Now, we do not place a high value on Christ if we don't value the work that He came here to do. You think about the work that God has come here to do, and He gives us the opportunity to be involved in it. Man, we count that a privilege, don't we? We get to serve the Lord. He lets us be used for His honor and His glory. Do you value Christ enough to say that? God, you came here to, for a great and a mighty work, to seek and to save those that were lost. And I put a value, Lord, on what you put a value on. I, I, I want to be passionate about what you are passionate about. I want to I be uh, concentrated on the mission that you were concentrated on. So we don't, we don't value Christ too highly if we're not valuing the work that He's come here to do. And by the way, we're also not valuing Christ too highly if we're not willing to live in obedience to Him. And by the way, a good characteristic of a revived heart 
is the value that we've placed on Christ so much that we're willing to obey what he asked of us to do. Number one characteristic of a revived heart is that Christ is exalted. Number two is that we've put value on Christ. Number three, if you would consider this with me, a characteristic of a revived heart is that you're willing to volunteer for Christ. Oh, a volunteer for Jesus, the hymn writer says, a soldier true. Others have enlisted, why not you? Are you willing to be a volunteer for Christ? Would you take the time to go back with me to Isaiah chapter 6? Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1 through verse number 3 we already read. Remember? Isaiah sees this vision of Christ that's high and lifted up. One begins to cry out in verse 3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And when these verses took place here in Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 3, I want us to now notice in the verses that follow, there were three things that followed in the life of Isaiah here. Three things that followed this, in this vision that Isaiah has of Jesus, of the Lord, high and lifted up, and the one crying out, holy, holy, holy. When this vision takes place, there are three things that happen following that. And I want you to notice those tonight. Number one, look at verse number five, if you would, with me. Then said I. Now, can you almost picture this now? Here's the vision that he's having of Jesus high and lifted up. He sees these angels and then he hears that voice saying, holy, holy, holy. And then Isaiah is led to repent. It says in verse number five, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What does Isaiah say? Isaiah says, because of this, uh, the opportunity I've had to see God high and lifted up. To be able to hear Him referred to as holy. To be able to hear the one crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It leads him to repent and have a consciousness for his sin. I am a man of unclean lips. I am a man that needs to be cleansed. And as a matter of fact, he even refers to those that are around him. I'm in the midst of a people that is unclean. A people that needs to repent, that needs to turn to the Lord. So what is the first thing that takes place after Isaiah sees God high and lifted up? Number one, he repents. But number two, he is then purified. Notice what happens with me in verse number 6. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the thongs, or excuse me, the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Number one, what happens as a result of seeing God high and lifted up? Number one, he repents. Number two, he's purified. But here's where we really grasp what we're talking about here with thought number three here tonight. Number three, he volunteers for service. He volunteers for service. Man, this is powerful. Look with me if you would at verse number eight. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? 
And who will go for us? I mean, can you picture the details of all this? He sees the Lord high and lifted up. He hears him crying out, holy, holy, holy. He acknowledges his sin. He repents of it. He's purified. And then the voice comes out, who can I send? Who will go for me? And the Bible tells us that Isaiah volunteers, doesn't he? It says, then said I, here am I, send me. Now, brother... Uh, Kurt Copeland, who's one of my dear friends, he's been here before and preached. He was preaching a couple weeks back when we were at the youth rally there in Oakland, and he was talking about how that this is his life verse. And he's, matter of fact, he's talked about this here at our church before when he's preached. And he says every time, he was saying this to the teenagers that were there, he said, every time I look at this verse, he said, I almost picture Isaiah with his hand raised in the air going, ooh, ooh. Ooh, pick me. Ooh, 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 pick me. Have you... That reminds me. I think about the times where perhaps you, 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 you were involved in some type of a game, maybe when you were younger. And, and they line up uh, the, the folks to have some captains pick the teams. Did you ever have that happen? Is there anybody here that was, that was one of the last ones picked? Anybody here like that? Okay, some of you raise your hand. You know, they line them all up and they say, all right, we're going to have two captains. We're going to go down the line, one for this team, one for this team. And, and you're getting so discouraged when it's coming down to the end. Ooh, you know, ooh, ooh, pick me. I'm one of the last ones left. But Isaiah to the Lord, oh, oh, Lord, pick me. And boy, I love how Brother Kurt uses that illustration because it really makes our mind think, you know, Isaiah is so eager to be used of the Lord, isn't he? No, here am I, Lord, send me. Lord, I am volunteering. I am ready to be used of the Lord. Oh, 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 Lord, pick me. Use me for your honor and your glory. Well, a characteristic of a revived heart, a revived heart results in a voluntary, a voluntary, excuse me, spirit of service for Christ. You are willing to volunteer. You have a spirit where you're saying, I'm willing the Spirit is willing to volunteer and let God use my life in any way He sees fit. We realize the privilege that we have to serve Him. We're desiring to be used of the Lord and to be faithful to Him. A revived heart is a servant's heart. Oh, one of the characteristics of this revived heart, a heart that's willing to volunteer because we've got a servant's heart. And by the way, are you noticing when we're considering these character traits as we're getting ready for revival, isn't it great that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us examples of all of these things, didn't He? Oh, what a servant's heart He had, right? Where He was willing to take upon Him, the Bible says, the form of a servant. And He humbled Himself in an obedience. He gave His life for the sins of the world. What an example we have in the Lord Jesus Christ volunteering for service and willing to do whatever to complete the task that God had for him with a humble heart, an obedient spirit, a servant spirit. There's a little course that's written, Give me, Lord, a servant's heart. Here's my life, take every part. A revived heart will be a heart that is willing to volunteer in whatever way God needs us for his honor and his glory. But the last thought tonight is this. The characteristics that are present in a revived heart. Number one, we're going to exalt Christ. 
Number two, we're going to put a value on him. Number three, we're going to volunteer for service. And boy, I told you I'd get back to this one because this is so important. Characteristic that's present in a revived heart is a willingness to evangelize for Christ. A willingness to spread the message to others of what Christ has done for you. Do you have a heart where you're willing to evangelize for Christ? You're willing to go out and spread the good news to others that are without Christ. Revival, and, and, and I know we've already, we've already mentioned this. Matter of fact, even earlier in the message, I told you we would get back to it. Revival results in people coming to Jesus. And by the way, back to what we said earlier, that exalts Christ, right? It exalts Christ when people come to Him. And one of the things that we want to see take place in revival is when the evangelist comes here, if there are folks that are lost and without Christ, when an invitation is given, when a message is preached, as God speaks to heart, hearts, we want to see folks come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. By the way, invite lost people to come with you because they will hear the gospel. Uh, I know Evangelist Clark well enough to know that he's going to present the gospel. He has a heart where he desires to see people saved. And so he's going to present the gospel. I know he'll clearly do that. And what happens with revival? Revival results in lost people coming to know Jesus Christ. Are we evangelizing the world? Is that the heart that we have? Would we be able to stand, uh, stand today and say there's a, the characteristics are present in my heart as I'm approaching revival? My heart is stirred to evangelize those that are lost. Now, two thoughts I want to give you as I finish this message. Revival gives to us a renewed emphasis on the spreading of the gospel. A matter of fact, even as we're preparing for revival, we're trying to spread the gospel to others, inviting them to church, trying to tell them about the Lord, trying to get them here so that they can hear the message. And so as revival approaches, there is an emphasis on the gospel. There's an emphasis on spreading the gospel. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, I know we've been in the book of Isaiah quite a bit tonight, but Isaiah 55 verse number 11 says this, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God said His word is not going to return void. It will accomplish what needs to be accomplished for God's honor and His glory. So when revival comes, and one of the characteristics of a revived heart, it gives us a renewed emphasis on sharing the gospel. But I want you to really consider the second thought now, as we finish this message. A revived heart also has a desire to spread the gospel. You say, well, that sounds like what you just said. No, I said that revival emphasizes the spreading of the gospel. See, we can emphasize something and we can preach about it and we can do a whole lot of talking about it, but it doesn't mean it affects us enough to have a desire to do it. See, we can have a whole bunch of preaching about it. We can say, hey, it's good to evangelize the world. The Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel. We can bring up the Great Commission. We can talk about it. We can... Uh, we can have gospel cards in the back of the building ready for folks to take. But yet if we don't make the step of having a desire in our heart and then going out to actually do it, then we're just putting an emphasis on it and really not getting anything accomplished. Let it be that we're not just emphasizing it. 
Let it not be just that we say, well, they're at Victory Baptist Church. Boy, they're really conscious of souls. They're a soul-winning church. Not just because we preach about it. Not just because we talk about it. Not just because we desire that all of our ministries be able to have an opportunity to present the gospel, but because we're actually doing it. There's a desire on our heart to go out and spread the good news of the gospel. The Bible says this in Psalm 126. I'm going to turn there. Maybe you even have this one memorized. In Psalm 126, in verse number 6, the Bible says these words. Psalm 126, in verse number 6, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So it's not only about loving the gospel. It's not only about putting an emphasis on it. It's not about just saying, hey, we're a soul winning church, but to go out and to share it, to have a desire. Hey, be a a part of our, our visitation program. Take the gospel cards that are in the back. Not just, again, I've said this over and over in the month of October, not just for the purpose of storing them in our cars or not just for the purpose of saying, well, I got them on the kitchen table, but to ask God, Lord, give me opportunities. Not just the emphasis of saying I took the things, but to actually share it, to actually have a desire on our heart to give it out. And when sharing the Word of God is accomplished by the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, He gives us the power to do it, right? Because we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, which by the way, how many of you have ever had a time where you've shared the gospel with somebody and you've walked away, that person has trusted the Lord as as their Savior and you say, man, it wasn't me that did anything there. It was God's power that helped me through every moment of that. Maybe perhaps even uh, bringing verses to your mind that you might, thought, you might have thought, I didn't even feel like I knew that one very well. But God's Holy Spirit was in it all. So as we're trying to accomplish this goal of evangelizing the world with the gospel, we're sharing it and it's accompanied by the Holy Spirit's filling and the Holy Spirit's power. Then... The Bible says we'll have opportunities to see souls come to trust Christ as Savior. And maybe perhaps you would even say, well, I don't know that I'm seeing the fruit right away. I'm presenting the gospel and maybe perhaps individuals not being saved right away. But isn't it great to know that eventually we'll get the opportunity to see the fruit for the labor that is put forth? You know, the Bible talks about that, which by the way, before I get to that thought, I had someone in our church just come to me recently and they talked to me about how they had shared the gospel with somebody and they said that person that I shared the gospel with uh, did not want to be saved right then. And they said, they said, no, not in a mean way, but they just said it's, something, it's not something I'm ready to do right now. But they said that same individual had, had contacted them and had called them and had talked to them about how that they were considering the gospel, considering what had already been told to them, and kind of had made some connections with another individual that was trying to share the gospel to them as well. And so the verse, when I'm hearing this story, the verse came to my mind that we plant seeds, and then we water, but God gives the increase, doesn't He? And so God's Word will not return void. God's going to accomplish what He wants as we present the gospel. And so, yes, we'll eventually get to see that fruit. We plant the seed. We water. God gives the increase. Can I say this? Let's just leave the results to Him. Let's do what we are supposed to do with a revived heart that desires to evangelize this world. 
Again, before the revival services even start, man, we're excited about it, right? We're wanting to evangelize the world. We're wanting to see people around us here trust Jesus as their Savior, and we just leave the results to Him. Man, I'm excited. One of the things I'm looking forward to in the revival week is it's on our schedule, soul winning with the evangelist. Man, I just can't wait for opportunities the Lord's going to give us even during the week of revival. Oh, may God give us opportunities even in this week to come as we're preparing, as we're getting ready. And then when he gives us opportunities to come together like that and meet together and to go out and to share our faith with others. One last verse and we'll be done tonight. In John chapter number 15 and verse number 8, the Bible talks about fruit. And in John chapter 15 and verse number 8, it says these words. John 15 and down in verse number 8, the Bible says this. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit so shall ye be my disciples. Again, eventually we see fruit. And here's what the fruit that we see, it's so important for us to remember this. It's all for the glory of God. Oh, when we see fruit, eventually when that fruit comes and we get to see God giving the results, it's all for the honor the glory of the Lord. And you know, in John chapter number 15, that chapter is laid out in a very unique way because he says he wants us to bear fruit. Then he says he wants us to bear more fruit. And then he talks about bearing much fruit. Hey, Christian, the fruit, and I know you've heard this before, but the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. A Christian that comes to Christ told them the good news of the gospel. May you bear much fruit for the honor and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So some questions to ask as we draw our message to a close tonight. Do you desire a revived heart? You know, tonight we're talking about the characteristics of a revived heart. But sadly, we could get to the place where we're really not even desiring it. Again, I mentioned it this morning. It's just another service. Or the evangelist is coming in and we have meetings like this every year and so it just becomes just a routine. Oh no, let it not become a routine. Are you truly desiring a revived heart? Do you, do you, as we talked about this morning, do you long and thirst for the reviving work of God in your life and then in your ministry as well? Boy, Sunday school teachers to see, the, see a revival in your Sunday school class, right? A bus worker to see revival in your bus ministry, in our bus ministry that we have here. Good news club workers to say, hey, it's not just about my life. It's not just about a revived heart for me alone, but my ministry as well. Oh, that God would take, by the way, that's the importance of volunteering, that you're involved with something where you say, God, you're not just reviving my heart, you're reviving my ministry, what I'm involved in, what I volunteered to do for you, for your honor and your glory. Are you desiring, are you longing for that? You know, we cannot organize revival in some kind of a magical way. But we can prepare for it, can't we? And, and one of the ways that we prepare for it is to ask God to give us these characteristics of a revived heart. Are you prepared for revival? Are, are, you, are you humble before the Lord? Are you asking the Lord to get you ready for these services of revival that are coming up? Again, have you humbled yourself? Have you asked Him for that? Are you prepared in your heart for revival? Are you exalting Christ? 
Are you putting a value on Him? Have you volunteered for whatever He would have for you to do? Are you faithful and consistent personally evangelizing those that are around us with the good news of the gospel? Would you perhaps even ask God for opportunities this week to come? Lord, give me opportunities to share my faith with somebody so that I can see God give the fruit, that I can be a Christian that bears much fruit for the honor and the glory of the Lord. Father, I pray that you would take this message tonight. And Lord, you would use it for your honor and glory tonight. 